You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Now, usually, Christmas is a cheery season. Everyone's either really happy to see family and unwrap their gifts, or they're stressed out shopping for those gifts or visiting with those aforementioned family members. But behind all the positive vibes and fake smiles, horror still makes its home in this holiday of holidays. So, are you ready for true Christmas horror stories? Go ahead, I'll let you unwrap this present early. Number 1. My Dead Best Friend Submitted by Jake Let me start off by saying that this is my husband's story. I will call him Jake. These are true events taken from him and his mother. The story starts in 1996. At the time, my husband would have been around five. He lived with his mother and grandmother in a small rural town. His mother, who worked at the local gas station at the time, was friends with this woman. Let's call her Stacy. My husband's mother is named Pam. Stacy and Jake's mother hit it off instantly. They were the same age, they worked together, and they had everything in common. And they both only had one child. Stacy had a son named Chris. Chris and Jake also became best friends. Their mothers would take them on playdates and sleepovers all the time, because both mothers were single and still living with their parents. Jake and Chris were even chickenpox buddies, as Jake caught it simultaneously from Chris. They attended school together, and they even went to Cub Scouts together. When the boys were around seven years old, Jake and his mother moved from her mother's house into a town about an hour away. So after that, Jake and Chris didn't see very much of each other. In fact, the last time they saw each other was for Jake's seventh birthday. Not long after that birthday, though, is when tragedy struck. Chris and his mother Stacy still lived with her parents. And one day, while Stacy was at work, his grandfather was watching him after school. They were in the garage. His grandfather was fixing up his car. Buddy ran into the house real quick to see if he could find his wrench, and he left Chris alone in the garage for only what seemed like a minute. When his grandfather came back into the garage, he found Chris under some large metal poles that were in the corner of the garage. I don't know much past this part, only that he must have been playing too close to the pipes and they fell on top of him. The grandfather called 911, but he was pronounced dead when the ambulance arrived. But that's not where the story ends. Pam decided to take Jake to Chris's visitation to help him process his death. My husband says he was too young to remember much. All he can really remember is the funeral home, the flowers, and the sadness. Not long after the visitation, Pam noticed that Jake had an imaginary friend a friend who he began to call Chris. His mother didn't think much of it. She asked other parents about it, and they all said it was just children processing death their own way, completely normal. Well, time went on, and his imaginary friend did not go away. They eventually moved back in with Pam's mother because Pam was going through a rough divorce. Things began to calm down and half a year passed. However, the imaginary friend named Chris, he was still there. One day before Christmas, Pam and her mother took Jake to Walmart to look for lights and decorations for the Christmas tree. They made a short stop down the toy aisle, and of course, Jake went crazy. 
like all seven-year-old kids would do when they go down the toy aisle. As they traveled down the Toy Express, Jake noticed a plastic electric guitar that would play songs with the push of a button. He asked his mom to grab it so he could play with it. Pam, of course, being five foot two, could not reach the toy herself. It was on a very high shelf, so Pam and her mother looked around the corners for a Walmart associate. Then they heard Jake say while they were searching around the corner, it's okay, Chris said he would play it for me. Pam and her mom both rolled their eyes as they walked on to find a sales associate still, when suddenly, the guitar lit up from the high shelf and began to play the long, exaggerated guitar rhythms. Pam and her mother stared at Jake in disbelief because there was no way in hell that he could have reached it, let alone them. They paused for a moment and then the guitar fell from the shelf and onto the floor. Jake looked at them grinning. I told you Chris could do it, he can do anything now. Pam and her mother were extremely terrified. They left the aisle immediately, still in disbelief of what they had just witnessed. To this day, my husband only remembers bits and pieces of this and he has absolutely no recollection of the incident at the store. Jake's mother recently told me this story. She also told me that she spoke to Chris's mother, Stacy, about five years ago, only to learn that Stacy had also been experiencing the same type of events. She said that Chris had never left. Stacy gave birth to a daughter in 2002, and soon enough, her young daughter started to experience the same things. She eventually got an imaginary friend, it was a friend she called Chris. I sometimes wonder if that's all possible. See, I'm a big skeptic of ghosts myself, especially the ghosts of children, because I was born and raised Baptist. But my husband believes the story without a doubt, because he remembers his imaginary friend here and there. But he says to me that it wasn't so imaginary for him. Number two. It started on the night before Christmas. Submitted by Kid. Something happened on the night before Christmas a few years ago. My sister and I were in her room putting up clothes as we share a closet. While I was busy hanging them up, I heard what sounded like the toilet lid slam shut in the bathroom. And of course it shocked me, it was very loud. So when I finished hanging the shirt I was on, I went to the bathroom to check out the noise and the toilet lid was down. This was creepy because we were the only ones in the house. So I yelled back down into the hallway, asking my sister if she had left the toilet lid down. She said no, she hadn't used it since I had last. I figured maybe she just forgot or maybe it was just some sort of gravity or temperature thing, but it's never done that before. I've always believed in the paranormal, so this kind of freaked me out. As I walked back into the hallway towards her room, I glanced over to my doorway and the light that was on just flicked off and not a second later, we both heard a loud crash come from the kitchen. Quickly and without a word, we together went down to the kitchen to check it out. Nothing was out of place and there was no one there. So I made a joke about it, just being the ghost of a Christmas witch, though we were both pretty creeped out. Tasteless as it was, we went back to her room with my head focused on the floor. And on the way back, I saw a shadow move in the doorway. Now, embarrassingly, I let out a bit of a squill as it had really surprised me and my sister looked at me like I was weird. I asked her if she saw that and she said no. It was all just so bizarre. Even still, me just asking her if she saw something seemed to creep her out even more. So we ran to her room and closed the door and we called our parents on the phone, but they didn't answer. Then we tried my sister's phone and they actually answered that time. We told them what we heard and I could tell they were getting worried. 
so I told them that we could tough it out until they got back. I both wanted to rush them, and I didn't want to be rude. I was scared, and I didn't want us to be alone any longer. Yet, they were a county over, and that was 15 miles away, so we waited about 40 minutes for them to get here. Luckily, that was it for the night, yet there were other events all during my Christmas break that were very creepy, and I didn't get any good sleep until Christmas break was over. On multiple nights, I had set up at night with my light on and the door open, just waiting, and I had this horrible, palpable feeling that something was watching me. On the worst night, my aunt and mom were talking across the hall in my mom's room. I had my back turned to the door and had a sheet covering me. Then all of a sudden, that feeling came again of someone watching me. I started to get scared again, and I heard a footstep in my room. It was unmistakable coming from my room, yet I was the only one in there, and only a few moments later, I felt something jump onto the bed with me, and my bed began to shake, and my bed doesn't shake very easily, and just as quickly as it happened, it all stopped. After that Christmas break, nothing big has happened, and I'm pretty glad for that. I don't honestly know what's up with our house and why it only happened during the Christmas break, considering it never happened in the past, and it hasn't happened since. But so long as it's quiet, I'm happy, and I hope it stays quiet. I don't wish this kind of feeling on anyone, that strong sense of helpless fear. Number three, I can't wait to get out of here. Submitted by French of Fire. I moved to my current apartment less than a year ago. I live in a busy student city in Europe, and I had almost given up on finding a new reasonably priced apartment when I got an offer from one of the housing associations that I had applied to. I went to see the apartment and nearly couldn't believe my luck. It was recently renovated and spacious. The area was a dream and the rent was way lower than I had expected. I would have gladly accepted a much worse offer in order to not have to live under a bridge, so I was more than happy to accept this one. I got the keys and I moved in two weeks later. The first few weeks went nicely. I was still on Christmas holiday, so I could just enjoy the peace and quiet from my new apartment. I was happy to notice that there was apparently no extra activity in the house. You know what I mean. Having lived my whole younger life in places that were more or less riddled with the paranormal crap I had grown used to, I had never enjoyed it. Unfortunately, I was very wrong. I'm no writer, but I'll try to list some of the most significant things that happened that have led me to considering searching for a new place to live. It turned out to be a very creepy Christmas holiday. One day, I was walking to the small hall of my home to take something from the wardrobe. The moment I stepped in, I felt a very weird presence right behind me, and in a matter of seconds, this wild and irrational sense of horror and threat just surrounded me. It froze my nerves to the point I had a hard time walking back to the kitchen. This messed with my mind pretty bad. It just literally came from nowhere. I was shaking and tearing up and actually had to call my mother to get over it. Now, I'm not a sensitive person in the least and I have no history of anxiety or panic disorders or any other mental problems and I wasn't even thinking about anything fear-inducing, so this was very out of the ordinary. The same pattern repeated itself a few times after that too. One time I came home and the whole hallway smelled like aftershave and leather. The smell was so strong that it irritated my nose as soon as I got past the hallway, it just disappeared. I don't know where that smell came from. All the windows were closed. 
Another time, my bathroom suddenly started smelling like expensive perfume in the middle of the day. I know old smells can stay for a long time, but this wasn't it. I mean, it came one second as strong as a scent can, only to completely disappear a few minutes later. After the first incident, the atmosphere of the house changed pretty clearly. Those intense feelings of a presence somewhere behind me and things looking at me got worse and worse. It was similar to the feeling you get when you catch someone looking at you, except I was alone in my house. It felt like I had a terrible sixth sense. The next weird thing happened while I was lying on my bed, playing on my phone. It was noon and I was alone. The way my house is set up is my bed is an alcove and only a long wall separates it from the hallway. So clear as day, I heard someone walking through my hall. And if that wasn't bad enough, I heard them clearly press the bathroom door close less than five feet away from me. That door is broken and it has to be pressed with force or it doesn't click shut, but something did. Something I couldn't see clicked it shut itself. Maybe 10 seconds later, I heard paper bags in my kitchen start to rustle around like someone was crumpling them in their hand. Needless to say, I was petrified. After that, I would occasionally be reading a book on my bed or something like that when I would start to hear footsteps in the hallway. They sounded more like animals than people and I could hear the clicking of nails. At first, I tried to convince myself that it was the house settling, that I shouldn't be such a scaredy cat. Once, the footsteps sounded like they were moving in a circle in my hallway and I had the guts to go check it out. The moment I peeked my head out of the doorway, there was nothing there and the footsteps stopped and only a moment later, they started coming right at me and stopped maybe one foot away. I said nope, shut my door, locked it, and went back to my book, trying to forget about it. Just writing about that experience made my hair stand on end. I don't know what I would have done had I actually seen something in the hallway. A few nights after that one, I woke up suddenly in the middle of the night and I was full alert. I sat up in my bed feeling disturbed but hesitating to look around. After some time, I finally did and immediately I wanted to cry for my mom because on the corner of my sofa was a man sitting and watching me. It was like he was waiting for me to wake up. I can still remember him clearly. He was leaning back, legs crossed, head slightly tilted, and dressed in a dark suit. His skin was black and his hair was shoulder length. It was braided into small braids and each one ended in a red bead. He had crossed his hands, I looked into his eyes and I swear to God, he looked back at me. He saw me. The moment our eyes met, there was something of a connection that comes when two human beings lock eyes and you're one of them and you know the other one can see you as well. I can't really explain it beyond that. Anyway, I was frightened and the fact that this man did not seem surprised or scared in the least, it only added to that feeling. I know I said I'm not a sensitive person, but I swear I'm quickly becoming a nervous wreck. I looked away for a moment in fear, and it was that same fear that made me face him again. But when I turned back, he had disappeared. I stayed up the rest of that night. I slept with the lights on for the next few weeks. I never saw the man again, and hopefully I won't. Not long after that last incident, I would start waking up regularly with the worst feeling of paranoia. It was horrible. I've never felt anything like that before or after. I was sure there was someone else in my apartment. I couldn't move, I was so scared. There was a period of time I would go around my house every night and every morning 
and check everywhere in case there was someone else living with me. Of course, there wasn't. It was around this time that I talked to my neighbors and I learned that the previous tenant, an old man, had died in my box only a month before I moved in. That might explain something. The last thing worth mentioning is that my bed began to get made on its own. The first time was two months ago. I was out working, and when I came back, my bed was suddenly made. I'm a filthy person, and I never even make my own bed, so I know it wasn't me. It's an impossibility. Of course, right after, I checked my cupboards and the like again around my house to make sure it was all empty, to make sure I was alone, or at the very least, to make sure nothing had been stolen. I even called the service center of my area, but they hadn't sent anyone to my house since I hadn't asked, and entry was prohibited without permission. Only a few weeks later, it happened again. This time, my duvet had been crumpled in a big ball at the end of my bed. I actually have a photo of it. Because I'm an idiot, I still continued my denial game, and I didn't even call the police or the service center this time. Anyway, the third time it happened was only a week ago, and I was at home myself. I left my bed unmade and went to the bathroom. While I was doing my makeup, I heard what sounded like a hand sweep the door lightly from the direction of the hall. I didn't think much of it, because I thought I had just imagined it. But when I went back to my room, my bed was once again made. Pillows were piled, and a book I had been reading was hidden under the duvet. I never left the house. I was alone. I've spent the last few days searching for a new job, so I could move out as soon as possible and leave this house and whatever insists on living here with me behind. I'm pretty sure I've managed to conjure up its wrath now, and my remaining time here is going to be a living hell or something. Again, the worst of it happened on my last Christmas holiday, and I'm scared it'll spike up again on this Christmas. Well, thanks for listening. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number four, a Christmas scary story, submitted by Caitlin. Growing up, I never really had anything to do with clowns. Not that I was scared of them, my parents just never did anything clown related, so I never thought much of it when I was young. I thought my parents didn't want me to be one of those kids who were needlessly scared of them, I can recall when I was maybe eight or so, my parents were sitting at the table with some friends. It was a cold night, maybe a couple of days before Christmas. 
I remember feeling the holiday spirit all around. Throughout the night, I could tell by my dad's look that he was stressed out about something. He looked to have something very painful on his mind. Sure enough, later, I heard him telling a story, and once I walked into the room to listen, he stopped and he looked at me. He was quiet for a moment before picking me up, kissing my head, and we went to go watch a movie together. I wondered for a bit what it was that scared him, but I was eight and I was waiting and excited for Christmas to come, and it was right around the corner, so dad's story quickly was off my mind. But it wasn't until 2015, almost a year after my dad had passed away, my sister told me what story he had been telling everyone that night about the memory that rose back to the top of my father's mind during that pre-Christmas get-together. Alcohol can really bring up the past. My father was born and raised in Chicago. In 1977, he was about 18 or 19, and he went to a gay bar with his friend Ronan, who was 19 at the time. They wanted to score some drugs. A man came up to them offering not only drugs, but a job working on his house. My dad got a bad feeling about the man, and he said no, but his friend Ronan took the offer. Later on, Ronan's body was found in the crawlspace of the home he was supposed to be working on, the home that belonged to John Wayne Gacy. Number 5. The Worst Christmas Submitted by Freddie P. With Christmas right around the corner, I figured it would be a nice time to share this experience I had with a very creepy creature. For some backstory, I was 15 when this happened and I lived in West Virginia. I lived with my parents and I had a German shepherd named Zelda who just recently gave birth to five pups. It all started three days before Christmas and the first strange thing that happened was when I let Zelda and her pups outside so that they could run around and play in the snow. We lived in the middle of the woods, so I didn't have to worry about them going into other people's properties. Maybe about 10 minutes later, I heard Zelda barking and growling, so I looked out of my window, and I saw her running into the woods. I ran outside and I saw the puppies just staring at the woods and looking confused. I noticed that there were only four pups, so I brought them inside where it was warm. I told my mom that Zelda ran into the woods, that one of the pups was gone. She told me to wait, and that they would come back on their own. But about 30 minutes passed and I started to worry, so I told my mom that I'm going to go look for them myself. At first she said no, but I argued with her and I ended up going anyway. I put on my coat and hat and I headed outside. I walked into the woods and I went the direction that I saw Zelda go. I spent about two hours looking for them without any luck. It was starting to get late, so I headed back home hoping that they'd be there. As I was walking through the snow, I thought I heard footsteps so I looked around me, hoping that it was my dogs, but there was nothing there, nothing that I could see anyway. I looked around the area some more, and that's when I heard a strange and very disturbing sound. It sounded like moaning or wheezing, and it really freaked me out. I'm not the one to investigate stuff like that, so I just hurried back home. When I made it back, I asked my mom if they had seen the dogs. She said no, and I just sat on the couch, worried. I didn't say anything and my mind began to race. What if that moaning and wheezing sound I heard earlier was Zelda? Maybe she was hurt. I quickly put my jacket back on and I ran out there. I tried to find the spot where I heard the sound. I waited for a while, hoping that the sound would come again, but it didn't. I sat down on a rock and just kept waiting. 
It started to snow, so I got up and started walking back. And that's when I heard this blood-curdling scream. And it sounded like a woman screaming for her life. But behind it, there was this wheezing to it. I knew for a fact that this was not my dog. So I ran as fast as I could back home. When I got back, my dad was there and I told him about Zelda and the pup. He told me it was late and snow was coming down. So they would look for them first thing in the morning and said that I shouldn't worry. At about 10 that night, I was trying to watch TV in the living room and I heard scratching at the front door. Immediately, I ran for the door thinking it was Zelda and her pup. But then I remembered that scream earlier in the woods. I was about to go get my parents, but then I heard the whimpering. I knew it had to be Zelda, so I opened the door and was so happy when I saw her. Pretty quickly, I noticed that she was bleeding and I called my parents. My mom said that Zelda probably fell or something and got all scratched up. We cleaned her up and Zelda just went to go lay in the corner. I remembered about the pup that was missing and I didn't know what to do. I wanted to go back out to search again, but it was too late. And if Zelda couldn't find it, how could I? I couldn't sleep that night knowing that the poor pup is probably dead. And Zelda couldn't sleep either. She was whimpering all night. The morning came and I got up and fed the pups, who were too young to know that their sibling had gone. I went over to Zelda. She was still in the same corner that she was in last night, and I scratched her head. I filled her bowl with food, but she never ate. I could tell that she was depressed, so I sat with her the whole day and I read books. Nighttime came and I got ready for bed. I slept in the living room that night with Zelda. Something woke me up at two in the morning. I heard something outside the window. At first it was footsteps, then I heard the same moaning and wheezing sound that I heard in the woods. My heart sank and I noticed that Zelda started to whimper and she got away from the window. I was too scared to even move my fingers. I waited for what seemed like hours for that noise to stop. When the wheezing finally went away, I was still so scared to get up, so I waited until morning. The next day was Christmas Eve and we were having a party. A whole bunch of my family came over and it got loud quick. I got tired of the noise so I decided to go outside. But I couldn't get my mind off of that noise I heard last night. That noise that was just outside our window. Morbidly curious, I went over to that window that I heard it coming from. My heart sank when I saw it. Under the window, the missing puppy lay in the snow. It was dead and the sight was rather graphic. Some sort of animal had definitely gotten hold of the pup. I told my mom and showed her where it was. When she came out to see it, she threw up at the sight. I won't go into detail here, but it was pretty bad. Just looking at it terrified me. My mom told my uncle, and he said that he would bury it himself in the woods. That night, me, my mom, and dad talked about the pup, and that's when I told them about the noise I had heard. My dad got mad because I didn't tell him earlier, and he said that he's sleeping in the living room with his gun to see if it comes back, whatever it was. That night, we all woke up to the sound of a gunshot, and my dad was rushing back into the house. We were all half asleep and surprised, and he told us that he heard the noise when he was sleeping, so he grabbed his gun and went outside to check it out. He said what he saw, he said what he saw was horrifying. He said that it was white, thin, and very, very tall. When he shone his flashlight at its face, it had very sharp teeth with pitch black eyes and long strands of gray hair. He had shot at it and it ran away. 
Since that crazy night, I've moved out. I took Zelda with me. Her puppies had already gone to new homes, but my parents still live there. I asked my dad last week, talking to him on the phone. I wanted to know if he remembered that creature that he shot at that one night. He said to me, he said to me that the thing will haunt him forever, that he could never forget a face like that. Number six, Stalker for Christmas, submitted by Moon. This happened a few years ago. I'm going to give you the backstory first so you can catch up on this. I go to a school like every normal girl, but there's this guy. We started off as friends and this is where it gets creepy. So lucky me met this guy, we'll call him Joe. We hung out a lot and we were getting close to Christmas. One day at school, as it was almost the end of the day, we were packing things up and I told him I wouldn't be able to text him so that I could spend most of my time with my family. I was raised and taught that family is the most important thing. It was a holiday after all. He nodded and said the same thing and we hugged before me and my friend who we'll call Jessie went on the bus together. She was going to be spending Christmas with us because her parents were not the best. When all my family got there, it started off like any other Christmas. We talked and caught up, we got early gifts and I gave my gifts to Jessie and she gave hers to me. We started to get bored, so we went to my room and we talked about a few boys we liked. And that's when I got a text from Joe asking what I was doing. Seeing as I had a moment, I texted him back and we had a normal conversation. I replied to him, nothing, you? Just being bored, he said back. Man, that must suck, I replied. Jesse wanted to show me something on her phone so I got up and went over, leaving my phone on the chair. I don't remember much of what made us leave my room, but we did, and for a while. We decided we wanted to go for a walk and play in the snow, so I told her to wait for me while I got my hat and gloves, and that's when silly me remembered my phone. When I grabbed it, I checked it as I always do, and there were 40 or 50 texts all from Joe. It said things like, hey, hey, Moon, are you there? And from there, it got a little weird, if you're going outside, wear a coat, gloves, and hat, don't want you getting sick. That was kind of weird. How did he know we were going for a walk? Or was he just assuming? So I replied jokingly with, okay, dad. After that, I must have flipped my phone to silent and I shoved it in my coat pocket and went for the walk. I was pretty comfortable with Jesse, so as we walked, we sang Christmas carols. We were just being goofy and loud. Suddenly, Jesse got a call from a friend. So we sat down, she was on her phone, and I took out mine. It was another 50 or so texts, but not like before. In all caps, it read, MOON, PLEASE ANSWER. IF YOU DON'T, I WILL KILL MYSELF. My jaw dropped at how suddenly this guy freaked out. Why was he panicking over the fact that I wasn't texting him? And he was threatening to kill himself, what the hell? I tried to type in, Joe, calm down, I'm fine. And as soon as I did, Joe called. Getting irritated, I sighed and ignored it. And not too long after, I got a text. Why didn't you pick up? And then another. Are you okay? Is something going on? Now, at this point, Jessica's off the phone, and she's sitting down next to me. She asked me what was going on, and as soon as she did, Joe tried to call again. She asked if we should answer it. I nodded, and we put it on speaker. Hey, Moon. He sounded so calm compared to his texts. Oh, hey, are you okay? I asked. Jesse looked at me confused and I pulled up the 100 texts Joe had sent me over the couple of hours. She looked just as freaked out as I did 
So she grabbed the phone, taking over the phone call conversation with him and began ranting and chewing him out. In the midst of our creepy drama, another friend of mine named Matthew walked up. Me and Matt were really close and he knew Joe, but not very well. I told him what was going on and again, he was kind of freaked out. Jess gave me back my phone, saying that he hung up on her. We shrugged it off and kept walking and we let Matt join us. As we were walking, Matt and I held hands and I smiled. I'd really liked Matt for a long time and today we're even dating. But only a minute or two back into our walk, I heard the ding on my phone. It was another text from Joe. Tell Matt to get his hand off of you. I was instantly terrified, so he really was stalking me. No, are you following me? I sent back without thinking. You are mine, Joe replied. That's when I had enough, and I blocked him like I should have a long time ago. Anyway, it was getting late. Jesse and I said bye to Matt, and we headed back home. After all my relatives left and everyone was in bed, Jesse and I were up talking, when another call came in. I was really on edge since that last text. It really creeped me out and threw me off my day, but I figured it couldn't be him because I had blocked him. I was wrong. It was a different number, same person. Hello? Um, who's this, I said. Jesse gave me a weird look and I put it on speaker. Merry Christmas, Moon. Don't forget, you're mine. And with that, the person hung up again and I recognized the voice. We both stared at the phone in horror. Then another text popped up on the screen. Nice PJs, you look pretty sexy. Almost on instinct, Jessica and I both looked out of the window in my room and sure enough, I could see the silhouette of someone running away into the woods near my house. We were horrified and I told my parents immediately. I mean, the whole night he could have been joking, maybe with some friends, pretending to be a stalker to scare us. But now I felt both dirty and betrayed. Needless to say, it looks like I got a stalker for Christmas and I hope he goes away. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Number seven, The Christmas Witch, submitted by Nicotine Queen. I remember this like it was yesterday. It was the last Christmas that we had as a whole family. By that I mean my dad, my mom, my sister, and myself, because my parents divorced when I was seven, and this was right around that time. For some backstory, I had always seen ghosts, spirits, whatever you choose to call them. My mother and her mother do as well, so we began to think it was hereditary. I always thought of it as a gift, but they think it's a curse. Now, I grew up in a single wide trailer in a pretty busy trailer park in the lower thumb of Michigan. It was as cold a year as ever, and I recall playing outside with my friends that Christmas Eve. We went sledding down a makeshift snow hill near the playground in the center of the park itself. My friends and I stayed until it was dark, and then we rushed home to start the festivities. 
On the way home, I began to feel a sense of dread, which was so odd because it was almost Christmas. I tried to brush it off, thinking it was anxiety, which I had pretty bad at that age. I got home and I walked inside, and that's when things started to feel off for sure. I knew something was going on with my parents, yet at the time, I wasn't even sure what the word divorce meant. But my sister, who was four years older than me, did, and I think it was her vibes that had me on edge. Everyone and everything felt fake, like an act, like putting on a show knowing this would be the last. Fast forward to my sister and I getting ready for bed. At this point, I had forgotten or simply ignored the impending sense of doom and dread. I remember being in the bath, and I had my plastic critters in there for fun. I went under, and that feeling all but overwhelmed me. I couldn't open my eyes underwater without goggles, even non-chlorinated. So, eyes closed, I felt as if someone was looming over my bathtub. It felt like, at any second, someone could hold me down underwater and drown me. Terrified, I jumped up and I gasped for air. My mom heard it and yelled down to me, Kay, are you okay? I replied, yes, I'm fine, just got water in my throat. R wrong tube. Creepy as it was, nothing was there. I got out slowly, I can't explain it, but I felt that if I made any sudden movements or acknowledged the fact that something might be there, it would only get worse. After I was out of the bathroom, I walked down the hall to my family in the living room. This part is important due to the layout of the house. When you walked into the front door, you were immediately in the living room. To your right is the kitchen, and my mom's room was in the very front. If you looked left, it'd be the rest of the living room and then the hallway. The first room on the left was my room. My sister and I shared one. Then the washer, dryer, and then the bathroom. The very end of the house was our playroom. I couldn't sleep alone, so we didn't make the extra room a bedroom until I was 12. We sat down on the couch, which was next to the front door, and we watched a Christmas movie, ate snacks, until it was time to go to bed. I felt like I absolutely did not want to leave the comfort of my mom and dad, and I begged to sleep with them. I knew something was wrong. I just didn't know what. I would in a few hours, unfortunately. They said no, and now as a parent myself, I know why. So they sent me to bed and I dragged my feet the whole way. My sister and I had bunk beds at the time. I was on top and she had the bottom. To say I was a light sleeper would be an understatement. My sister, she could sleep through the end of the world. She was already curled up and lightly snoring by the time I was able to close my eyes and force myself to try to sleep. It must have been around two or three hours later, if I had to guess. I woke up from a very deep sleep, and my eyes shot open. I felt so cold. Everything seemed darker than normal. I was facing the wall, and I slowly turned expecting to see my worst nightmare, but there was nothing. I sighed with relief, and I shut my eyes. I tried to doze off. From my room, you could make out the light from the tree. At that moment, I heard something, and I turned around. I thought maybe one of our cats was playing with the ornaments again. They would almost knock the whole tree over from doing that. My second thought as a kid was, it must be Santa. So I slowly got up, and my heart was pounding with excitement, which had totally drowned out my doubt and dread that was in the back of my head, yelling, stop. I had gently and quietly as possible climbed down the ladder. As soon as I hit the ground, it enveloped me. Fear. I almost ran right back up, but oddly, as I was scared, I knew I had to see. As I made my way across the room, I noticed the sound was gone. That sound of the ornaments being clanked together and moved. 
I reached the end and the doorway loomed over me like a gateway to hell. I peeked over the side, my palms sweating like it was 100 degrees in the house, and my heart felt like I was going to explode. I saw a figure, and I almost passed out looking at it. Because there, standing by my tree, with her back slightly turned to me, it looked to be an old woman. Well, what I thought was one anyway. From that angle, all I could make out was her long, stringy, grayish-white hair that seemed to flow without wind. She was wearing a black cloak, which was hooded over her head, minus the hair that flowed from it underneath. She was staring at our tree. I watched as she grabbed an ornament. She looked it over and then placed it in an area of the tree it was not before. This is important later, for validation. Then I noticed something which made me sick. Her hands appeared to be rotten. You could see where her flesh was rotting off and her bones were poking through. I must have made a noise because she began to turn around in what felt like slow motion. I was frozen in place. When I saw her face, I thought I was going to die. She had this smile on her face that was clearly inhuman. It stretched across her face and it was making all her veins show. Her teeth were yellow and black, where she had them anyway, and her eyes were black pits with a hint of white far back in her skull. She motioned for me to come closer, and that somehow broke the spell. I booked it back into bed. I threw the sheets and blankets over me, and I cried. I must have managed to pass out at some point, because the next thing I knew, it was Christmas Day. I set up and looked around, and I thought I just had a bad nightmare. I slowly made my way out to where everyone was waiting for me, and we opened gifts. As we sat there playing with our new treasures, I happened to look up at the tree, and my heart sank. The ornament, the very same exact color and pattern, the one she had been playing with the night before. It was in the place she had left it, not where we had put it. My mouth hung open, and I must have went pale, because my dad asked if I was sick. I, I said I was fine, and I pretended to be for the sake of everyone else. Later on, I talked to my mom and explained what I saw. When I told her, she got this look on her face that made me scared, because apparently she had heard it too. She thought it was the cats playing with the tree again, so she didn't get up. When she realized I was about to cry, she immediately tried to change her story, saying I probably dreamt it after hearing the sound, yada yada. I told her about the ornament that had changed position, and with the face she always makes when she's telling a lie, she said that she had moved it. But even if she wasn't obviously lying, how would she have put it in the same spot as in my dream? I knew what I had seen was real. I had been awake, and I have no clue what she was, who she was, why she was there. Honestly, I've hated Christmas ever since, and I still get that feeling once in a while around this time of year, but I never saw her again. Something tells me one day I will though, and that's what I'm afraid of. Number eight, surprise. Submitted by Trouble Follows After. For a bit of context, I grew up in a very large house with my two brothers and a sister. I was seven, my sister Taylor was nine, and my brothers Matthew and Jonathan were four and 12 respectively. My parents loved throwing parties every Halloween, New Year's, and Christmas, 
This story takes place during a Christmas season, specifically on December 23rd. I was having a blast running around the house with Taylor and her two friends, Maddie and Emma, as well as my best friend, Lauren. We were eating junk food, chasing Matthew, comparing our hopes for Christmas, and sharing stories of Christmases long ago. At one point, around 10.30 p.m., we were upstairs in mine and Taylor's shared bedroom, sitting on the window seat, overlooking the driveway. We were looking out at the lights displaying below when a dark-colored SUV pulled up in the driveway. I was confused because I thought all of the guests had already arrived, and my confusion was only increased when a figure stepped out of the car. He was carrying a package. It was too dark to tell if they were male or female. Intrigued, we ran downstairs to see who this person was, but by the time we reached the door and flung it open, they were gone. In their place was a package, about two feet by two feet, and it was covered in green wrapping paper. The top of the label read, To the Millers, which was our last name. The space beside was blank. Puzzled, we carried it into the living room, and we set it under the tree. My parents were just as confused as us. My father suggested that it might be Uncle Bradley, because it wouldn't be unlike him to do something like that. In the end, we just decided to leave it there until Christmas and open it then. Christmas morning came, and Taylor, Matthew, and Jonathan were all up early, eager to open presents. Amidst all the commotion, I found the mysterious package, delivered last night. I tore off the wrapping paper. Beneath was a cardboard box, which I cut open eagerly. The first thing that hit me was the smell, that of rotting flesh, of decay, of death. Wrinkling my nose, I pulled back the tissue paper covering the contents within. Time seemed to slow. The noises around me blurred, and the only thing I could see was the thing inside the box. It was a puppy. Its pale gold fur clung to its withered corpse, and the smell overwhelmed me. I fell backward, and I screamed. The next few hours passed by in a blur. I sat on the couch, crying my eyes out, hugging Taylor. My father called the police, and they arrived taking pictures of the poor animal and asking us questions about the SUV and the person that we saw. It's been 15 years, and we never found out who left the puppy on our doorstep, delivered to us all those years ago. It was a little golden retriever, and today he's buried in our backyard, beneath an apple tree with tulips at his grave. I don't know why they killed that poor dog, why they delivered it to us, but sick people like that deserve only the worst. And number nine, Christmas Visit, submitted by Ginger Cat. I've always been able to see and hear things that other kids couldn't, from the times I could see shadows and heard voices to the time my doll stood up on my bed and laughed. But this was my first paranormal experience as a kid. I was around four or five. My dad had just moved into a new house after my new baby sister was born. I lived with my mom, but I was up visiting my dad this Christmas. I was really excited. I hadn't seen him in over two months. When we got there, the first thing I did was go and see my baby sister. I walked into her room and I heard laughing, but when I went to her crib, she was sleeping. Then I asked my dad if he or my stepmom had been laughing at something, but they said that they were outside the whole time, getting dinner ready on the grill. So I shook it off. I'd always had an overactive imagination, so I figured it was just that. After dinner, everything seemed normal, so I went to bed, hoping Santa would get me what I asked for, hoping that he could find our new house. I managed to sleep for a while, but I woke up really early in the morning. 
I walked out into the kitchen and saw that it was three, and I figured I should check on my sister and see if she was okay. I walked into her room, only to notice that she was not in her crib. I assumed my stepmom took her out and went to feed her or something. So I began to walk out of the room, but before I could reach the door, it slammed shut. I opened it and no one was out there. It really caught me off guard. That was when the laughter started again, except this time it was dark and deep, like really, really deep. I ran like hell into the bathroom and I locked the door, and the laughing stopped. Then I heard a voice saying my name. Jordan. And that's when the laughing came back, growing louder and louder, and it kept going. I began to scream and cry. My dad flung open the door and picked me up, saying it's okay. When we went together to check on my sister, she was there, but I swear she wasn't before. I'm 14 now and a freshman in high school, but I will never forget that night for as long as I live. Instead of scaring you with this outro, I just wanted to say a word or two. All of you who watch these videos, who listen to these stories, I appreciate you. You have made my passion and dreams real. Every day I get to read stories from all over the world, and now all I wanna do is share them with you, bring you more, better content, and improve. Thanks to our latest donations from Jorge R and Christina S and all of our generous donors, our website renovation has begun. I've paid to have a gamification app added to our website. The whole thing is in beta and I'm trying to add new features and content to it. But now you can earn points by simply visiting the website, reading stories, watching videos there, commenting, discussing, and sharing. You can unlock badges, new levels, and achievements. You can literally become the best night watcher. So if you love scary stuff or you visit my website regularly anyway, visit the website soon at darknessprevails.org to sign up with the Survival Adventure app now. Do you have what it takes to become a monster hunter or even a dark prophet? Again, it's a very early stage and I'll be adding more fun stuff to it as often as possible. I won't go into any details here because I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I just wanted you all to know that none of this would be possible without a single one of you subscribers and fans. So to you, I say thank you. For those of you wondering, I am working on hiring someone to create an app for this channel something for your mobile device, where you can read and rate stories, submit your own on the go, watch videos, and maybe even unlock secret content. Until then, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all. Stay safe out there. I'll be bringing you more and more chills and thrills as soon as possible. Oh, and don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. Thanks, and good night.